you know, my back was never really the same, blew out some discs. And it's, it was just one of those things where you realize how fragile health is and how it's there with you every single day to the point where like the injury would be so bad that like, I wouldn't even be able to sit down for dinner actually. What, and maybe this made matters worse when we were building that first startup I was telling you about, but like, I think for a period of like three years, at least, like I would work laying on my stomach in the floor of the office. Like I wouldn't even be able to sit in a chair. It was like that bad. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Embryo Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L is a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome everyone to another episode of Every L Podcast where we have different guests come on and talk about things in their life where they felt like it was an L that's just been handed to them. You know, they planned things, it didn't happen. They arranged things so, so that when certain events took place, this was naturally going to happen, it didn't happen. They were waiting on someone to deliver something, it didn't happen. People get disappointed in life in general, that's a thing. Whether you like to believe it or not, it's not personal. But sometimes when you're in it, it absolutely does feel personal and you can't see the woods from the trees. And I'm not saying that you're wrong for feeling what you're feeling. I'm just saying it's a thing. But hopefully through these fantastic conversations you're going to hear me have with my many guests, you're going to hear that when L's happen to you or what feels like an L happens to you, it could be something else you're going to gain from it. Now, with all my guests, I don't know what they're going to actually talk about other than what they put down when they say they're going to talk to me. So it's always a little bit exciting to hear in depth what's going on. I have someone who I haven't actually spoken to for a prolonged period of time. However, the brief interactions I've had with him have been actually really insightful. This is probably the closest thing I'm going to have to a sponsored podcast for a while. But this product that I'm currently using and absolutely would so promote to say, go grab it. I promise you, it is saving me so much time. For those of you that don't know, and this is not a plug or anything, this is me being 100% honest with you. You know, I've got three kids, twins, and then an older one. So I've got three under four. And I do the podcast myself. But then there's this product called Cast Magic. And it literally lets you upload your file to it, your audio file, whether it be audio or video. And it just has AI doing a transcript for it, which I need, as you know, I, I put transcripts in all my episodes. And then it has what an introduction looks like, what hashtags are on there, how you can do a LinkedIn post caption, a whole heap of stuff. And it's got a, a section for you to actually type to the AI chat and actually ask it even more specific questions to what you need it to do. Now, you guys could think I'm cheating. I don't care, right? I want to make this as quality as possible for you guys. I use it to inspire me so that I don't have writer's block when I'm doing certain stuff. I'll have a list of titles that I can run with or I think of one myself and let's amalgamate the two. But it's one of those things where I'm not about to let my creativity stifle just because I'm being prideful of what I want to do all myself. And that's just not worth it. I'm all about trying to make this accessible to as many people as possible. And if I need to use technology to do that, then so be it. But I came across this product 
came across Blaine, who's a co-founder of it. And I just love what he's doing. I love how he's just able to take the feedback on, just let it grow and grow and grow. And I've got a few friends who are into podcasting and they've enjoyed it too. So feel free, guys, if you girls, if you want to jump onto it, there will be a link in the show notes. So have a look at the description if it's on YouTube. As I said to you, this is a close thing you're going to get to a sponsored podcast episode, but it is something I really do like. And Blaine's just sound like a sound guy. He's just someone I've been able to talk to. He's had no qualms. We've just hit it off. He's willing to take feedback. He's willing to grow, give explanations. And you really come across people like that because a lot of people seem to be just all about themselves and what they can get out of things. It's take, 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 and give very little away unless you're going to charge them. But Blaine's not like that. And I like that about him. So what him and his team are doing is great stuff. Go grab it, check it out. You can get one episode done for free. And there's endless possibilities with this so go give it a check out if you want to if not no harm no foul but yes I have Blaine here who I'm excited to talk to because someone in his position doing what he does it'll be interesting to hear what he's gonna share but before we get into it I'm gonna let Blaine introduce himself as he sees fit Blaine how you doing What's up, Matt? Well, thank you so much for for having me on the pod. I think, well, one, fantastic introduction, but I also think it is kind of funny how we got to know each other and how I'm even here on the pod. We got to basically know each other through the app that I built and, you know, through all our all our conversations directly through the the chat and the Slack community and everything. So I'm super pumped to be here. But a quick little background about myself. I'm a startup founder in, based in Miami in the US. I've been in entrepreneurship for like 10 years now. This Cast Magic is my third company that I've started building. And it's been a ton of fun so far. It's we we just started building it recently. And you know, Matt, you have the privilege of being, I think you were like one of our literal first customers in the door. Literal the, the the first feedback that we got was I was like, who's this guy, Matt? So anyway, <laughs> quick background about me. And yeah, thanks again for having me on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. So as you hear from Blaine, he I'll be honest with you, Matt, you guys can't see him. This guy's got a baby face. So for him to be doing this for 10 years, I'm just thinking he just came straight out of the womb and he was started off doing some entrepreneurial stuff. Like mom and dad were like, yo, you got to start contributing towards the house. So get going, son. And they're like, all right, cool, let's do it. So Boss Baby, as far as I'm aware, is based off a true story, Blaine's. <laughs> so Blaine's put on here a couple of things he wants to discuss. The first one being success slash failure of VC-backed company. VC being venture capital, right? Sure. Yeah. And, and Matt, I think before we even like get into that and specific topics, one thing that got me really excited to kind of talk about this stuff with you is just the idea of failure and how people approach it in the sense that like everything's relative, right? So people can be at all different stages of their life. And I think part of the human condition is just like adjusting to whatever position you're in and you're seeing some things as success and something as failure. So I'm sure there's a bunch of people who could listen to this podcast and be like, oh my God, like, how is this what this guy considers a failure? Whereas others could listen to it and, you know, see that as a total success. So I just, you know, want to preface my entire conversation with saying that I understand that part of the human condition is everything is relative. And, um, and yeah, so I, I'd love to be able to talk about some things that are, really tough to deal with on a, a human level, like injury and, and stuff like that, that anyone could experience, as well as some things that are, you know, success slash failure, what looks like success, but is also a failure and how, you know, maybe you want want to get more out of things. So yeah, that I, I, that's kind of what how I'd like to lay the groundwork. And that's absolutely fine, because ultimately, I'd like to think for those that 
have listened to episodes before, they understand that the topics are so vast and wide that it's just about whatever you vibe with, click on that and listen to it. If you don't, if it's not your cup of tea, that's fine. Bounce, go to something else. But ultimately, success, failure is all subjective. It's all about personal perception. It's all about what you're trying to achieve. If you just stumbled into it and, and you're happy with it, sound. If you're not, then do something different. But ultimately, this is your truth. This is how you feel. And there's no harm, shame, or anything like that that's going to be passed against you. Because ultimately, this is where you're coming from. And what I find it interesting is that there are going to be people that that sort of vibe with what you're saying. And it's a matter of you're telling your truth and saying, I was in this position. This is how I felt. And there's nothing wrong with that because however a person feels in any given situation, that is personal to you. And got, who's got a right to tell you, suck it up or do this or do that? No, nah, mate, do what you feel you need to do to cope with that situation and keep pushing through. And what I'd love about the many conversations I've had is that ultimately people have listened to these conversations, not being spoken to directly, maybe because you're just recounting your own experiences, but they're able to get some sort of inspiration or some sort of encouragement to say that, they're not the only one going through X and that someone else has. And potentially they're going to learn through something that you've done, but they haven't had to do yet to get that lesson from it. Totally. So, you know, yeah, I appreciate you obviously laying that down, but you know, tell it as you need to. So feel free to go back to the top where you feel is relevant and go on about how this worked out for you or didn't work out for you. Cool. So yeah, I think the the first place to start, the first real, I mean, not the first real failure, but I think when you, after I graduated college and entered the professional world and started building in startups, that's where you're kind of on your own and you're not subject to the rules of what school thinks or what, you know, your sports team thinks or et cetera. You're like subject to what the market thinks, right? So, you know, rewind to I had just graduated school we're starting I was starting up a new company with a couple of my different friends and and you know it was it was going really well in in the sense that we were able to like raise some funding we had raised some angel funding we're like really excited we didn't really know what the heck we were doing but we were saying hey we're on this journey together and we're going to start building a company so the company that we started is today is known as it's a company called Seated what Seated is, it's a restaurant rewards platform where you download an app, you're able to book reservations to thousands of restaurants. And when you go to those restaurants, you get a reward in terms of amount of credit that you can redeem from big consumer brands like Starbucks, Amazon, Lululemon, all these different sort of brands. And today, Seated's doing really well. They're a Series C venture back company doing really well. But before we started and became Seated, we were... A small group of guys building uh, a random software company in Boston. And we basically, we started as a group chat app, right? So I think the first failure that we encountered was like the failure you get to in startups where you actually have to pivot because something's working, or maybe it's working, but not working well enough where you actually have to acknowledge that, oh, hey, this isn't working as well as we had planned. Let's pivot, right? So we had raised a bunch of money the and this was around the time like think snapchat was coming out and all these other social apps group me etc so we wanted to build an app that was basically where group communication happened and say hey if we can build where groups communicate we can link into all these real world experiences and build this kind of marketplace of activities to do and very quickly we started to realize as first time founders 
without making any revenue or we had some traction in terms of usage, but we weren't going to, we weren't the team to take this to market. So I think the first like wake up call was, oh my God, we have to totally change what we're doing. We have to go back to all these groups. We have to tell them we're not supporting your group chat thing anymore. And we have to come up with a new idea for what to build. So I think that first L (laughs) came with the realization that we were building something that was like kind of working, but wasn't going to be as successful as we had hoped. And we had to totally change everything. We had to change the name, the company name. We had to go back and explain to all our users who were like super confused about like, what does this restaurant thing have to do with the group chat? So yeah, I think that was the first L. And I think there's a lot more to that and where this goes as the company matured. But yeah, I think that was the first one out of the out of the gates. So how did you feel about that? Because you come out of college, you're no longer bound by the rules or the standards that they've set. You're going, right, whatever the market dictates, that would be my barometer for success if that's how you're, gonna, how you're going by it. And then you've built up this little community. I say lit, little in comparison to the market you're trying to achieve. And you had to change. How did you feel about that? How did you, obviously, the collectively, it's important to know how they felt. But you as an individual, how did you feel at that point? I mean, it's tough, right? Because you are so used to, especially in school, it's easy to perform and, you know, you like the rules are are very fixed. And when it's the market evaluating you as opposed to like a fixed set of rules, it's, it's a totally different game. So I think, yeah, I, I, I felt pretty shitty, honestly, at the time it, it sucked, but, and I think the harder part was the fact that I had taken outside capital from people who like trusted me to like do something great. And so that feeling of this isn't working to like the timeline we expected and how we hoped it, it just, it felt really tough. Not, not just for me, it was like, sure. The money was one thing, but these were like all the people that had like trusted me my entire life. And they had like given me their own money to go try to build something. So that feeling was like really, yeah, it's really, really tough to kind of stomach. Obviously we were in a position where we were able to pivot and successfully pivot out of it. But even that initial feeling of not doing exactly what we thought we were going to do it it was tough that sounds interesting because a lot of people have friends and other relationships and it's all well and good until money's introduced to the equation then also it's like you're cool but don't ask me for money don't 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 do that the fact that you had to or not had to but you you got capital from those folks that were kind enough to back you and your vision and your goals and your your endeavors what was the feed you had? I know I can imagine you felt some something inside at that point, but how did you handle that feeling that you felt, and did it impact you in terms of how you performed with your goals? Because I know personally that I'm a creative person. I I I guess I've always been that way, but you put me in a stressful environment, one where I can, don't get me wrong, I can deal with stressful environments, but if it starts to impact me it's sort of like all of a sudden my hot air balloon's got a lead balloon all of a sudden. I just can't take off. I am just grounded and it impacts me. And that's why I need to sort of get over that before I can then fly off again and be my creative self. If I was in your position, potentially I've got X amount of money that people have put into me to do what I need to do. That might then stifle my creativity from being able to find out how can I pivot and successfully do that to then, return the the money that back to them and do whatever I need to do as I as promised. But how did you do that? How did you do and did it impact you in any way, shape or form? Yeah, I think 
what you bring up is a really good point. It's like sometimes when you need to be creative the most, like having that stress, it can be both a good thing and also like a really difficult thing to deal with, right? Because in some ways you do your best creative work when you're kind of uninhibited and you're able to just create and you don't have these like burdens of outside pressure and stress on you. And then other times stress becomes a motivator as well. Fortunately, and now, uh, you know, I, I can walk you through the, my second or third or however many other L before where it didn't work out so successfully. Fortunately, in that first scenario, I think we were just scrappy enough and we were willing to really just go far enough to do whatever it took to make it work, right? Like, I think part of what we were thinking was like, there is no scenario in which this can fail. And, and, and unfortunately, like a, a lot suffered, right? Like you mentioned, stress comes up, right? One, my health definitely massively suffered as a, as a consequence to it. And that's, that's being a 23, 24 year old kid out of who had just finished university, worked on a first startup, like, and people talk about stress, like stress is a real thing. And it had physical manifestations in my health, right? Like it would, it wasn't just like, oh, you're stressed, like, you know, take a nap or something like that. It's when you, when you have, when you're living in a period of consistent stress over your, over what ultimately became, it became like three or four years before we really got the product moving. There were definitely physical manifestations of that stress. But fortunately through a combination of brute force, trial and error, and doing everything we could to make it work, we were able to ultimately get the product to a point where, you know, it was it was able to stick. But we had to try a bunch of different things in the meantime. It wasn't just such a linear path. There were there were pivots through the first original project product that we were building. And then there was a certain realization when we said if we don't build a product that actually captures some sort of revenue or does something that we're totally toast. And then we were able to say, hey, we had thought about this idea of connecting groups with local activities, restaurants or something that people do all the time. We're going to actually just totally phase out everything that has to do with group chat. We're just going to land on restaurants. We're going to call it seated and we're going to see what happens. And fortunately, it started to work. Sounds really good. Do you mind sharing how the stress manifests itself within you? <laughs> yeah, uh, it might be a little bit of TMI, but um, don't worry about. It. I asked the question. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I was, I was bleeding in my like when I when I was having bowel movements when I'd go to the bathroom, like there was blood, which is kind of a crazy thing. And then after I got it checked out, and after I got it like taken care of, and after the stress calmed down, it totally stopped. But like that was a very real thing. So did you go to the doctors about that? Yeah. I did. I asked a question because it's, it sounds so bizarre having to say this, but it's well documented that men don't really go to the doctors uh. when they're not 100%. It's like, oh, 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 man up, I'll just soldier through it. But realistically, when did you get your PhD? And then let's be honest, even doctors go to see a doctor because they can't self-diagnose themselves. So I like the fact that something happened and you didn't just, oh, it's all right, I'll just soldier through. But you actually went to doctors was it a matter of you have to change diet or was it a matter of your approach to the stressful environment you're in that had to change? I Well, one, it was like just getting treatment for at the symptom level. So having a medicine that I was able to use that actually helped mediate the symptoms. And then once everything was under control and that like the stress levels came down, I could go off the, the medicine and there was no, and there's been no problem since. But yeah, it's just really fascinating to see that 
prolonged stress over such a long period of time, I think really results in, you know, it has the physical manifestations. And then I think even the mental performance and your whole way of living, I was, it was like a totally different, you know, mental state that I was in and it, it went on for, for a long, a while. And did you have any support at that point? Other co-founders and people that I was building businesses with. And, you know, I did have some friends that I would chat to about it with it, but in like an own personal, I guess, support group, like my friends and people who I was building with, but like, because a lot of the people I was building with it, they were going through the same thing. So it didn't become like the most productive, <laughs> I guess, work workflow, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking that it's nice that you had, you know, the other people that were in the same line of work as you. But if you're all going for the same thing, I'm just trying to work out how 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 helpful that could have been. Because we're just like, this is what I'm going through. It's like, yeah, I get what you mean. Of course you get what you mean. We're both in this pressure yeah. cooker together. You kind of need someone that's on the outside looking in going, mate, just explain to me what's going on. This, that, the rest of it. Okay. You can see what I'm seeing, right? No, I can't. Of course you can't because you're in a pressure cooker and I'm not. I'm in a different pressure cooker. And I don't know. I'm just happy that you're not there anymore. Well, you might be there. I don't know. From what that happened, obviously, I'm glad you're not in that situation, but it's also really important that you understood that you needed people to talk to, to try and help yourself get to a better state. Is there anything that you personally did to help you handle the stress that you was having to handle? No, I, I don't think that I handled it particularly well, to be honest, but I think one of the most important parts of going through it, and I think it's probably one of the topics of your podcast is like how every L stacks on top of itself and hopefully you learn something from it, right? So for me, it was in high, in retrospect, it's one of those things that I'm glad I went through at such an, I guess, relatively uh, from a career perspective so early on because I was able to kind of benchmark and say, hey, I'm not going through that again. And I know what I know the the lengths that I'm willing to go for work and for career and for all the things that I want to achieve, but I know where the red line is. And before I hadn't established where that red line was, so I was just running past it every single day. glad you got something from it because that just sounds brutal on so many levels don't get you wrong the rewards are probably so so sweet but i guess that's why a lot of people are not as successful as they could be and i say success obviously it's subjective because they're not willing to go through the hard graph to get that it's like you've got to eat so many lemons before you get something that's going to be nice and sweet but hearing what you've gone through sounds so hard and i guess a lot of us have probably had some ailments where we don't know where it's come from, but really we look and go, if I spoke to a doctor, they might say actually it's stress induced. You know, you may not be doing activities that you see like sports activities, you know, whatever it is, because you thought sit at your computer and just plow on or do whatever you do and keep doing more of it is going to fix it. And then reality is no, I think something I've learned a while ago is no matter how much work you do, there's always more work to do. 100%. And if you're not taking time out for yourself, you're just going to miss it. You're just going to miss the point of what you're doing in the first place. You're not going to be able to pivot because you're too busy down that rabbit hole, just focusing on what you've always done. You're not taking a moment to pick up your head, look around and see where the landscape lies. Oh, my audience aren't there anymore. They're over here. Why are they over here? You don't know because your head's been down. But I am super happy to hear that's happened. So I'll ask you a question. Then. So as you said that, it, you know, the L's in upturn site that you learned about, 
if you could go back in time and speak to your younger self at, let's say, the worst point that it got for you, what would you have said to yourself to help you push through that moment or to sort of say, hold up, you're really going down a wrong path? In hindsight, I would have probably told, or I guess the learning that I have now that I wish I knew then was that like, this is not the end of the world and you can extract yourself from this situation and you'll be fine because you have tools and you can do it again and you can take another at bat. I don't think I realized that at the time because I was just so far into it. And yeah, I couldn't see, like you're saying, I couldn't see the forest from the trees. So I think in hindsight, my, my recommendation to my, myself, when it looks its darkest, like you, there, there are alternatives, right? Like you can extract yourself from a situation and like put your opportunities will come and you'll be able to create new opportunities for yourself. So. Okay. So you've got back in time. You said that to yourself, would young Blaine heard himself? Do you think he would have listened to what you just said? 100% no. <laughs> <laughs> Love the honesty. So how do you think you'd had to have presented that information in order for your younger version of yourself to hear you and to take action? If I, if I were able to like fast forward in time from like that moment when like things were starting to like look up to like what the actual end result was, another like potential L, then I could be like, dude, what are you what are you doing wasting your time here working on this? Like, I think the one thing I was able to take out of it were all the lessons, the skills, the ability to be able to, to be self-sustainable almost, to be able to build new projects and have new creative pursuits. I believe everything that I do and build and work on kind of stacks on top of each other. And then I get, just get to like have new skills and new learnings that I can apply to like the next version of whatever I'm working on and whatever I'm into at the time. But I think if I presented it as just a pure outcome-driven standpoint, I'd be like, okay, like, I'm out. Oh, fair enough. Because I, I just asked a question because, and people that have listened to episode before will always understand, ultimately, we have people in our circle, people we cross paths with, and they might be going through something that we can identify with. And we might have the right answer. We identify the situation, but we don't know how to present it in the way that it will be best received. And that's why it's all well and good to say, I would have told my younger self this. Would you have heard it? No. Okay, so I would have probably had to have, what, sat myself down and said, yo, Matt, you need to do this because of X, Y, and Z, or whatever it is. And that's why I always find those those questions important because ultimately it's all well and good having the knowledge, but how do you present that to yourself? What consideration do you have to take on board in order to make sure that you're giving that person, that version of yourself, the best opportunity to say, all right, cool. I need to, I need to pivot in my life, in my behavior, my disciplines so that I can get to, to where I want to get to. No, I, absolutely. And, you know, I think with every, every L, hopefully you become a little bit more mature and you kind of learn and understand what, what, what next time you don't want to have happen. And, and it helps you. And I appreciate that because ultimately I'm not being in the position of what you have in terms of all the creations and having all that stuff given to me, that responsibility given to me. So for me, it's outside looking in going, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like. And it's quite, it's quite interesting because a lot of people, whether they're in the same situation as myself or not, they might look at someone in your position and think, I don't know what it looks like. 
this you're just in this ivory tower just making things happen but not understand that you are going through very much the same struggle that we go through when it comes to stress because we feel the weight of expectation on our shoulders and the obviously the pressure we put on ourselves because we want to be the best of whatever we are trying to do but i love that and i greatly appreciate it. and i'm happy that you're able to learn something from that and that yeah that things just worked out to be as i don't know worked out to be better than what they were I don't know why I'm stumbling on my words, but I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think an, another thing to your point is that from the outside looking at, especially with most startups, you don't see like, sure, you've got this like romanticized view. It's like, okay, everyone creates this amazing company. And sure, maybe they had to like eat ramen on the couch for a little bit before they were able to like get going. And then they have to deal with all these like great first world problems or whatever you want to call them. But I think what what they don't see for most founders and most even founder friends that I have and talk to, it's like stress is and, and this type of stress is really real. I think the toughest part is I heard this amazing analogy where like building a startup, it's like going down a river on a boat, right? You've got the market is the river, the boat is your startup, and you are the captain, right? And if that river is like absolutely charging, then I don't care how good of a boat or captain you have you're you're getting swept away in whatever direction the market's headed. So I think where a lot of stress comes from as a startup operator is when you're trying to like will things into existence that maybe are not going right downstream with the market and you're like trying if you're really battling currents, it it becomes a real pressure cooker in there. And you know, between internal teammates, tensions just get heightened and it's just every day you're trying to make something work that the market doesn't want to make work and that just ends up being a pressure cooker so yeah it sounds hard because i guess it's a bit like trying to create a perfect storm yeah sometimes things just line up perfectly and you feel like i'm an idiot if i don't take this opportunity because everything all the ducks are lined up in a row just for me to go for it and then sometimes you might say nah i'm gonna do this instead and later on down the line you're trying to recreate that perfect storm and it's so much harder to do it because the market's different people in different headspaces interest rates business ventures all of that are not where you need to be however so much time ago they were there and you said nah yeah it's it's hard and i think i remember hearing someone say and i did like it when they said it's taking me 10 years to be an overnight success <clears throat> and people don't see that. And that's with anything, I, I believe, that if you are going to suddenly be thrown into the fore, whether you have a viral piece of content, a business that operates to a certain high standard where people say, yo, you need to check this out. There's blood, sweat and tears and all sorts gone into that before you knew about them. And me being in the UK, there's a whole heap of people over in the US who they come over, I'm going to use an artist as an example, they'll come over to the UK and I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a good song. And I realized I've got like two albums beforehand, but I'm only hearing them now. But they've done the hard work. They've toured. They've done all sorts. Probably gone a good solid five years without any money. And now I'm hearing it. So yeah, it's interesting hearing someone who's actually living that life or have lived that life sort of share what it looks like and know that, you're just trying to live your dream like we're trying to live our dream. The difference is you're doing it through startups and other people who do it through different mediums, whether it be an employee or entrepreneur. Definitely. And and I think the other thing in terms of stress that like maybe doesn't get reflected as much is for for founders, right? Like someone is trusting you with their money, right? So 
automatically you're responsible to someone. So everyone's like, oh, startup founders, it's great. You, you know, you don't have a boss, you're your own boss. Like, no, no, as soon as you take capital from someone, you do have a boss, right? Um, and you do have someone to report to. And a lot of, and a lot of times in that position, it's even more stressful than just having the freedom to work a, a day job. You've got your responsibilities. They're very clear. You've got, you've established boundaries. You know what you're getting when you sign up for it. And, and that's kind of it. When you take someone else's money, like now, not only do you have a boss, but you have that stress and you have that responsibility to make something happen like 24 seven for as long as, as you're going. So there's no sort of off switch to that. And then you start bringing in the other things to the fold. Like you start hiring uh, team members and employees. You start having different co-founders or partners that you're working with. And maybe you have, maybe things aren't going well. Maybe you have disputes with them and you're managing people. And there's like, there's like just a million things coming at you from every different angle. And like, and on top of all of that, right, some businesses succeed, which is great. And those outcomes are, you know, written about and everyone hears about like the successes, but a lot of those ventures fail. And that's like, you know, that's real stress that a lot of entrepreneurs and founders are going through where their business isn't going well, they're not making money, they're not making, I mean, a lot of times, like I, I would look at it when, if business isn't going well, it's like, what am I doing here? Right? Like I could be making a, a decent salary working in tech at some other company, but like, I'm taking on all this stress, I'm taking all this responsibility and like, for what? Right? So I do think that there is a massive opportunity for upside for a lot of like people who are like building startups. And like, you see all these successes that are written about, but like, there's all it, it's also not so glamorous if if things don't, don't totally go your way. So glass half empty glass half full right true question for you how do you how do you manage your mental well-being because it sounds like you've got a lot of pressure on and a lot of it requires discipline because yeah you don't have a a physical boss per se because you are that boss but again like you said you take you take your money from someone so straight away you've got a boss how do you manage the day-to-day stresses of just operating a startup business yeah, so I think that's a really good question. And probably some of it is reflected in the way we're actually building Cast Magic, right? So right now, Cast Magic is totally self funded slash bootstrapped, right? So rather than having, you know, VC partners or any other partners, like it's, it basically started with me and I know how to build different products, design, do marketing, growth, all that sort of stuff. And a partner that is a absolute coding whiz, right? So funny enough, he comes from a similar background where he's gone the VC route as well. But we we both linked up and we're like, hey, we have the skill sets that it takes to build this sort of product. Why don't we build it without bringing in outside capital into the fold and let's see what happens, right? Let's build a product that's compelling for the market where the only people we can, we have to be responsible to are our customers and ourselves. And, and it's been really refreshing, but you know, that obviously doesn't change necessarily the day to day. You have so much stuff that you want to build everything that you want to get done on a daily basis. But I think in terms of how we're thinking about it, it changes the bar for what success looks like right in the venture world it's a it's a zero-sum game where you're either a unicorn billion dollar company or you are worth nothing right like there's very little in between whereas here we're saying you know 
why don't we just build what feels right for the market that we're in and the customers that we have and build it as fast as we can with the resources we have. And hopefully that, you know, does a little bit in terms of providing us with a, you know, a, a reasonable work-life balance in the sense that, you know, success and failure aren't so binary. So you've just basically removed having too many components to it in the first instance and managing what you can manage. And if you need to offset anything, then so be it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, it's just another variable, right? When you introduce outside funding into a business, a lot of your time in the business is now you're you're not just thinking about your customers and you're not just thinking about yourself and your employees. You're also thinking about your other financial partners who are sitting at the table with you. And again, that's not to say that we won't eventually be in a position to be there, but we didn't need to, we felt like we didn't need to put any undue stress on the business this early and introduce that where I can spend all my time now worried about my customers like you. And I can spend time talking with you instead of talking to other people and convincing them why investing in me and cast magic is a great idea. And then, you know, spending time reporting on them. Well, here's where, here's the state of your investment. So that's just kind of a, a quick little, little breakdown of that. Fair enough. No, I appreciate it. So let's go on to your second L. So the second L you want to talk about is back injury at a young age. Yeah. So I'm thinking you guys play American football over there. I'm thinking it's something like that because baseball, yeah, ice hockey potentially. But I'm thinking American football is where you where that happened. Am I right? Am I wrong? Well, I mean, I, I love I'm I'm very flattered that you would you would think that of me. I'm a little too too skinny for American football. I was a I was a track and field athlete all through high school and college and I was a high jumper, triple jumper, long jumper, and all these things are pretty take a physical toll on your body and when you're young, like you're all about it. And as you start to like get a little bit older, you're like, Oh my god, those are really, really, really high impact sort of maneuvers that I was like doing on a really daily basis. So ultimately it caught up with me and yeah, I think it was like sophomore year in college, had an accident and, you know, my back was never really the same, blew out some discs. And it's, it was just one of those things where you realize how fragile health is and how it's there with you every single day to the point where like the injury would be so bad that like I wouldn't even be able to sit down for dinner. Actually, what and maybe this made matter, matters worse when we we're building that first startup I was telling you about. But like, I think for a period of like three years at least, like I would work laying on my stomach in the floor of the office. Like I wouldn't even be able to sit in a chair. It was like that bad. So, so yeah, that was that was that was definitely an L. And yeah, I guess that's like the the definition of an L. And I'm glad we're I'm I'm past it to the point where I'm like totally mobile and athletic and confident now but yeah it, it was really tough so can i ask what was it that you did that did your disc your i take it, it was like your disc in your back yeah so i was in a car crash i was involved in a car crash that wasn't it wasn't a crazy car crash it was just enough to like aggravate things a little bit and then from there it was just a sequence of small events like a series of events i can think of like 10 off the top of my head where i would do something little and then it would like maybe do a like little micro tear to the disc or something and then it would put me in 
bed for like a day. And then the next time I'd do something else, like I was deadlifting one time and boom, then I'm in bed for a week. And then golfing one time, went down to pick up like a tee off the ground, boom, in bed for a month. So like it was just a series of things that all kind of emanated from probably a little too much impact like throughout my like youth and in athletic career and then like a car crash started the the whole chain of reactions if if, if you will well i'm happy to hear that you're okay from the car crash because that's not nice at all but after you had the car crash you went to the doctors did they not tell you about you might not be able to do as much as you used to do athletically yeah car crash that was the end of my collegiate athletic career it was okay. It was like in hindsight, you know, it allowed me to spend more time working on other creative pursuits that I equally enjoyed to track and field and athletics. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely knew that I had to cut down and I did cut down. I just think that your health, right? Like once things start to go, sometimes they compound on top of each other. And, uh, and that was one of the things where, you know, as soon as it started to go, it just was, a, it was like, I could never get back to I was never going to get back to like where I was before the injuries, but I couldn't even get myself to like a comfortable place where I'd be, you know, just happy to kind of live my life. And that's another thing with just dealing with, I've sort of learned and figured out what my limits are, what I can do, what I can't do. And ever since like the last three years, I'd say have been like pretty decent, but, but now I know my limits and I just don't do things that I, I, I have no business doing. That's interesting. So you was really into athletics before, wasn't you? Before the class. Yeah, and definitely. How did you feel knowing that that was no longer viable for you after that car crash? Well, I, I couldn't, I think part of it and probably part of the reason I would, I, I understood it, but I didn't like fully internalize it, if that makes sense. So I'd be like, yeah, 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 I'm not on the track team anymore, but I'd still, you know, if I found myself in a situation, like my brain still thought I could do things that my body like wasn't really capable of doing anymore. So I think like a good example of it was I mentioned the accident when I was like golfing, but my brain probably thought I could swing a golf club like I used to before the injury. And like, clearly that wasn't the case. And then boom, you like hear the pop in your back and you're like, okay, can't do that. And now you're in bed for a month. And, and then you kind of learn after that happens <laughs> enough times. Wow. Cause I'm thinking like way back when I was in school, I used to have um, athletics and whatnot. And the thought of me not being able to do something that I was so passionate about so abruptly, I, I thinking about it now, I think it was, I think it would have spun me. I think I would have just been like, what? No, I've been such disbelief thinking, no, this is what I want to do. Why can't I do it? And this is going to sound so stupid, but I'm being at 100 with everybody. When I have a slushy and I get a brain freeze, I promise you, I go back and think about all the steps I took that led me to that decision to buy that stupid slushy and slurp it the way I did. That caused me to have the brain freeze that I've got. If I was in your position, I'm thinking I would then go, why the hell did I get in this car? Why did I have to go to this place I never reached? All of that stuff would have probably played on my mind. Because I'm that type of person, did you experience any of that? Or was it just, it is where it is, let me just get on with it as best I can? No, definitely a little bit. 
kind of some part being like, why the hell did you have to do that? But then at a certain point, you're kind of just like, all right, well, you know, the the milk is spilled. Like, what do we do now? And yeah, so I think regret's definitely a big part of it for a while. But then at a certain point, you have to kind of come to terms with it and be like, well, there's no going back and fixing it. So like, what do we do from here? But then the fact that you still did a number of things where t- you aggravated your back. So the th- what I'd say there is I did a number of things, but they were all like different, right? So it wasn't like I hurt my back with like the golf swing and then I did that again. Because <laughs> like, no, I learned, I learned that lesson. I took that all and I learned that lesson. So it was more like I would do other things that I didn't think were going to catch up to me and get me and then you know they would so okay so that's easy to understand didn't know if it was just you sort of acted out in rebellion just going no mate i'm doing what i want to do so in that regard did did you have any support to help you process this to help you adjust to it because i'd imagine after the car accident you was you bedridden for a while yeah for a little bit yeah i think from a from a and it's just so funny to like look back in hindsight because my my dad, he also had a bad back and he was, a, he's a surgeon. And so he knows this better than anyone. So he was kind of the one who would always like help me through it. And, but the funny part was that before that, I mean, he was like telling me, he's like, you shouldn't be doing track. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. And obviously like, you don't, you don't learn. I feel like, well, maybe not you, but like, I didn't learn until I made those mess ups myself. Like no matter how, how many times he would tell me, he'd be like, you don't want back pain. Trust me. You don't want to have to deal with back pain. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. But in hindsight, again, I feel like that's why sometimes you just kind of need to take the L's and learn the lessons for yourself because there's no, there's nothing like learning a lesson for yourself. To be fair, you said that. It reminded me of this um, phrase that they say in my parents' country, which is Jamaica for those that are interested. And it's, if you don't hear, you feel. That is not meant in a way that I'm going to present it to you, but it was more meant of, if I'm calling you and you don't listen, I'm going to hit you or I'm going to discipline you. That's how they meant it. But life will teach you what you don't hear because you're not feeling it through experience, through life. You know, oh yeah, dad, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm not listening. Oh yeah. And next thing you know, bang, oh dad, you know what? I understand what you meant now. I don't want back problems. Another quote that that you you just reminded me of that funny enough is one my dad always would tell me is, is wise men don't need advice and fools don't heed advice. And I always thought that one was really funny. And he would like tell me all the time. And then when I'm like laying there in my bed with my back busted, I'm like, okay, now I kind of get what he was saying. <laughs> Who's the fool now? <laughs> it's good that you that you had that relationship with your dad, that he was able to sort of steer you away from what he's had to endure himself. But yeah, going back to the support, what support did you have when things were were happening and you just kept getting bedridden. Yeah, I mean the only support I really had was well actually one time I had a really bad accident. I was in China and I was in China and I had this one I had one family friend who was there and this guy was an absolute lifesaver. He had me he invited me to his home. He like they took care of me literally for a month. I couldn't get out of bed for a month and I was in a foreign country. It and it, I would never have asked that or 
of anyone, but it was to the point where I had this injury. I felt a pop go in my back. I was at the gym. I was deadlifting. I felt a pop go in my back and I went back to my apartment. I was like trying to stretch it out. I was like, huh, things don't feel right. The next thing I know, I like literally can't move from, from bed, right? Like to the point where I could not get from bed to the bathroom. Like it was impossible. And, you know, I, I contacted this guy and he took me into his home for a month, like helped me. It was, it was just so, so amazing. And, you know, talking about support, that's like the type of support where you'll never forget something like that because it was just, you know, I, I would have been totally screwed if I didn't have someone like that to help me out. So it was, that was really cool. That's good. And it's nice that you wasn't afraid to accept the help because some people are ashamed to ask for help mm-hmm. and some people are even more ashamed to accept the help. Yeah. But it's nice to know that you wasn't in that place where you felt too ashamed or whatever feeling it could be that didn't allow you to accept the help that was on offer for you. So that's really encouraging. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good point you make about like accepting help, right? Like sometimes it can feel a little bit awkward or whatever it is, but I think when it comes from like a really good place and when you actually need it, you know, accept it and appreciate it. And that person will be happy to help you and, and you, you'll be grateful for that person for the rest of your life. So yeah, I, I think that, I think that your point about accepting help and knowing when you need something and knowing when to ask and being grateful for it, it's, it's really important. Is there a point where you regret what you've been through? I feel like it's probably easier for me to say now <laughs> that I'm like not in so much pain. If if my pain was really acting up, you'd probably have a different answer. So I'm going to try to like remember what what I feel like when I'm in that situation and now to make it. Yeah, I think if I'm talking to you from right now where I'm not having any pain in my back, I'm going to be like, no, I'm like, I don't regret anything. But no, I think I do. I don't want to forget what the what that injury feels like because yeah you do I do definitely regret a, a bunch of the stuff because it really 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 puts you in a tough place. I can only imagine that regret. Some people say they live without regret, and I don't know what that feels like because I know there are tons of things I look back on, and even today I cringe. I can feel what the air felt like. I can smell what the atmosphere was like. I'm living that moment, and it's just. Uh, why did I do that? Horrible. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. I like I like to live I like the idea of living with no regret and saying that every moment took me here, but I think some level of regret is only is only natural. I think everyone everyone screws up every day, right? Like you no one's perfect all the time. And I think I think what you want to get to is a point where regret just doesn't consume you and you can you can understand it, you can acknowledge it and know it's not really changing, but I don't think regret in of itself is a is necessarily a problem. I think it's probably a tool that you could learn from and be like, "Oh, that was so stupid, but I won't do that again." Yeah. I I guess it's similar to you how yes, things kept happening with your back, but it wasn't you doing the same thing over and over again. It was different activities or different things you're doing that allow you to go okay I'm learning my parameters in which I'm able to operate within so I I think that's interesting so if we again go back to when you're younger and you're at your worst point regarding the pain you're going through I know thankfully you're in a good place right now you're not feeling any pain but when you was 
mm, not happy. What would you have told yourself to help you to just not to lose hope? Probably something like this is a learning experience for you. Know what you need, like just take it. So next time when you are better, like it'll pass. And when you are better and you understand what your new normal looks like, just do a better job of whatever, whatever it is you need. So for example, in the case of a back, like there's a certain level of like maintenance, call it that you need to do on a daily basis, whether it's stretching, strength, core strength, core strengthening, flexibility, et cetera, to like live and create healthy habits for your back. So I'd kind of just tell myself to make sure that when things aren't so painful and obviously painful, just make sure you're staying on top of what the maintenance required to like put in the work so you don't have to deal with that again. It's really good. And again, would you have heard yourself if you said it like that? Uh, probably not. And I know I I wouldn't, but now again, when you go through them at enough time, now, now you'll start to listen. Well, I know you wouldn't. I, I just want to see if you could say it because your dad told you several times. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you think you would have had to have said it to yourself to sort of go, just make sure you remain what, I guess, discipline? Yeah, I, I think it's discipline, right? I, and prior, prioritization and discipline. Because I think what you were talking about before, it's like, there's only so many hours in the day, everyone's doing a million different things. And how do you prioritize the right things? And how do those things fall into your, your priority schema or whatever you want to call it? And yeah, I don't know how I would have convinced myself, to be honest, maybe a visual or a picture, or a, just a reminder of like how bad that stuff feels would, would probably go a long way. And I think I'm, it's also prescient. We're talking about the back stuff. I had dinner with actually a new acquaintance on like last Thursday, we went out for dinner, this restaurant and this guy shows up who's like friends of friend of a friend and he's in like massive back pain. And I was just like, Oh my God, like I have been there. He like, he like gave me the whole story and it was like exactly like what happened to me. And I'm like, Oh man, like I feel for you. I've, I, I've been there. And, and even when I was trying to like tell him like, Hey, I've been there. Here's what you want to do. I could see the words kind of just like kind of going over his head yeah. and being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But, and I think that's what's important about having these conversations is sort of raising awareness to things that we all go through and just showing the human side of us all that allows us to have empathy to know that what we're going through can be extremely painful, but no one really knows it unless they're living a day in our shoes or walking closely with us. And an analogy I like to use is driving. A lot of us either drive or are in a vehicle at some point in the day, but because everyone's expected to know the rules of the road, when they don't follow it, we get upset. We make the assumption, oh, you're this, you're that. And you're not meant to be on your phone. You're not meant to be doing this. But then we don't know what's going on in that car. The person might have had a phone call from their child's school and they're just rushing to go and get them. Or they open the door not knowing that you're behind because they didn't check. They had, a, they had a senior moment, if you want to call it that. And everything has their own their own things going on. And we're not always kind or willing to acknowledge that. So when someone does say to you, ah, oh, are you struggling? Your car stalled. Don't worry about it. You've got to put your foot down the clutch and then you turn it on that way. That's empathy. But sometimes people want to listen to it. Some people don't because they feel some sort of way. Don't tell me how to drive my car. It's my, all right, cool. So that guy who had the back pain, you had instant empathy with him. But then you probably, and I'm sorry for assuming here, but you probably felt like your dad talking to yourself when you was younger, going, oh, you, well, you want to make sure you do this. You're watching going, that's exactly how I looked. 
Hundred percent. Exactly how I looked. <laughs> you called it. You called it. But but it but it was actually probably good for me to go through that, seeing that guy and seeing him, seeing again the the words kind of go over his head because that's just a reminder to yourself that or to myself that hey, if this happens again, like you really need to be on top of it because because you're you're not even going to listen to yourself almost so it's like you really have to if you re- if you feel a certain way you really have to like double down on it no oh, i appreciate that so you're saying that that l was just another lesson yeah that, that was a big lesson i think that's a lesson that stays with me all the time but there's there's also those are two big l's i guess that are more hopefully a little bit more relatable in the sense that you know people get injured frequently and have health things that everyone's dealing with and you know people have business and work stuff that they're dealing with. But I think on a, from, I just think the, the way I like to think about L's are like, I've got them every day on various different scales. And every time you can take one of those and use it as like a learning experience or help you inform something that you're going to do in the future, it becomes like really productive and it just makes for a, better easier simpler sort of existence <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm all about all about taking some l's every every once in a while mate I, i'm there for with you because sometimes trying to be a hundred a hundred percent of the time is exhausting i'll probably last four hours if you feel that and i'm spent can't do anymore because it's, it's just how are you meant to deliver the perfect line the perfect phrase the perfect i'm done I'm done. Something's gonna, something's not gonna work, and then that's me not being perfect. So it's it's a lot, but I I do appreciate you jumping on, and I just love the fact that listening to you share about the startups, how things were, the different pressures you had. I think it's very underestimated how much that resonates with a lot of people that may not be in that same capacity. Because at work, if you're really passionate about your job and you're working under a boss that isn't maybe the best type of boss, they're not a leader. You can feel like you've got all this pressure, you're doing the best you can, but there's no real traction. It's just frustrating. And then you've got these other people under you who you're getting all this stuff dropped on you saying, make your team do this and you're trying to make them do it, but you can't justify it because you're not the person that's allowed to be able to justify it. You're just told in the nicest possible way. When I say jump, just say how high and just do it, please. Just don't argue. And it can be a lot of stress, but yes, they feel like they got all the perks. It's an easier life per se, but it's still a pressure. And it, and the, the stress could have manifested in the way that yours had manifested. But it's nice to know that you are still human. You are still going for your doing. And a lot of the time, people that are self-employed, they what they become self-employed not to work a 40-hour-a-week job. Ironically, they work a lot more than 40 hours a week to get that freedom. And I say freedom with quotation marks because reality is, are you free from a passion that you're doing? No, because you're. <laughs> it's like a drug. It's in, it's in your arm. You're constantly trying to get the high off that passion you're doing. And it's just beautiful. And obviously it's unfortunate with your back and what's happened, but you are a human like everyone else. Everyone is a human in this situation. And it's so nice and refreshing to have conversation with people like this who you think are in their ivory towers that you would never, ever maybe hear from them and realize, they're probably wearing jogging bottoms and a t-shirt like me. And they go through the same things I do. And they're still worried about the same things I'm worried about. And it's just, it's just super refreshing. So I greatly appreciate you jumping on. What I'm going to ask you to do for the next two minutes, use that time to selfishly plug you, whatever you got on and where people can reach you. 
Awesome. Well, so what we're working on now, I think we alluded it to a, l- a little bit before, is cast magic. So AI has come out and it's a really transformative technology. It enables people like me, like anyone else who's building software or tools to just be really, really productive. So we found a really cool use case for podcasts and voice, basically turning voice and podcasts and audio into long form content. So we're building out that startup. It's called Cast Magic. And where you can connect with with me personally, I'm on Twitter at Beebles4, got an Instagram at Splashes of Sun. And, and yeah, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. So Blaine Bolas. No consistency at all for his socials, but don't worry, folks. It'll be in the show notes. No, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. The reason, <laughs> the the reason it's not consistent is because I, I like photography, Matt. So my Instagram is like different. I'm not like one of these people with like unified personas across like all my socials. You know, it's like when I'm on Instagram, I'm taking photos. When I'm on LinkedIn, I'm like doing my professional thing. And when I'm on Twitter, I don't I don't like do Twitter too much, but I've got one. So <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely fine. But I, I again I, I say what I say before, which is I appreciate you jumping on, taking the time. I know you're super busy because I keep you busy. Um you do. And for all the right reasons. I, I love that. For all the right reasons. No, I I love it. I love I love the fact that you're you're in our Slack community and you can like message me and I've got you there on on speed dial. So I love that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I appreciate it because it's, it's nice. And I'm always one of those people, that if I like something or I like a person, I will back them. I'll do what I can do. Because why am I trying to hold things to myself? Because when I'm dead and gone, what then? So I might also help better something that you like and then hopefully other people can benefit from. But guys, girls, however you identify, links will be in the, in the show notes if you do want to check out Cast Magic or in the description if you listen to this on YouTube. I'd hope you guys got something from this because ultimately this just shows you that we are all human. You prick us, we will bleed red unless someone's had way too much energy drink. I don't know. But ultimately it's 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 a matter of being perfect 100% of the time is not possible. And why would you want to be perfect? If you're perfect, you can't relate to anybody because it's just not a thing. It's clear to see that your right now is not going to be your forever. And as you always hear me say, there's nothing about a caterpillar that takes going to be a butterfly. So hopefully you've heard and you understood what Blaine has eloquently shared, that the things that he's gone through, he's learned something from them. And yes, it would probably be nice to say, I wish I didn't have to go through them to hear the lessons. But his dad was telling him about the back problems. He actually had his dad is looking at his son and thinking, that's a younger version of me. What am I going to say to him? Son, you don't want this back problem. He didn't listen, but it happened. And he's now hearing it a lot more. And he's, yes, he's hurt his back multiple times since, but he's learning the new, his new parameters. This is his new normal. And we've all got new normals. We've all got to grow, develop, evolve to get to this next stage in our life. And sometimes you have to go through a bit of crap to get there. Ultimately, a carpenter like sandpaper, yeah, it's rough, but it makes things hella smooth. And that's what some of these rough patches you have to go through allows us to do. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I look forward to hearing your next one and back yourself. Just know that right now is definitely not your forever. Take care. Bye.
Radio. Radio.